What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Happy Tuesday to you. Normally, it's Twitter Tuesday here on this podcast, and I promise you we're going to do Twitter Tuesday tomorrow and, and probably the next day. I have a lot to get to. I have a lot of people to get back to. I uh, was out of town over the weekend, and that extended through Monday. We got home late Monday night. I'm recording this podcast late on Monday night, and um, I didn't want to not give Twitter Tuesday the full attention and preparation that is needed to do it well. And so I've had a different concept waiting in the wings that I I worked on a bit while traveling back home, uh, and I want to do today instead. And, and so we're going to talk about some superlatives that I have for the 2020 season when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. So I uh, wound up taking an extra day on Monday just because I was having such a good time out of town, and I didn't want to I didn't want to deliver a show that I didn't feel gave my best effort. And, and, uh, you know, you guys don't deserve that. And so, uh, with me kind of taking some time off and, and spending it with family and friends, you know, I didn't want to take anything away from them and I didn't want you to get a podcast that, you know, wasn't my best effort. So, uh, appreciate you uh, bearing with me and, and, uh, taking a break from me on Monday, but we are back and I'm looking forward to talking bills with you here today and the rest of the week. So for a pro from a programming perspective, today is going to be the superlative discussion, and then we're going to dig into a bunch of Twitter Tuesdays that I have uh, saved up from uh, some great submissions. So I'll get back to everyone tomorrow, and then uh, you know get ready to answer those questions Wednesday and, and maybe even Thursday, depending on how many uh, there are. Once I get through uh, going back and and answering them all. All right, so superlatives. I love superlatives. I think it's such a great way to communicate and uh, and really kind of look at things from a different angle. And I've done this before. I think this is going to be my third year in a row doing superlatives. I, I, I did them on Twitter exclusively in 2018, and then I did a superlative series for the draftnetwork.com in 2019. And then for 2020, I'm just going to share them with you here on this podcast. And so before I give you my 2020 superlatives, I want to look back at my 2019 Superlatives. I wrote this article on July 29th, 2019, uh, to prepare for the 2019 season. And so I want to look back and see how I did. And I've already done that. And so obviously I'm eager to share some of my answers for you as we set the stage for the 2020 uh, version of this. And so the first superlative was breakout guy. And my choice last year was Matt Milano. And I think that wound up being a pretty good choice. I think you can argue that maybe Trey White was the biggest breakout guy uh, because he became what is widely now viewed as a an elite cornerback in the NFL. He's a first-team All-Pro. He had a Defensive Player of the Year vote, and he, he elevated himself into that status. And so he's probably the, the best answer here, but Matt Milano's not a bad answer. Um, you know, really he became entrenched as the guy in 2018. I thought he built upon that season last year. I still think maybe there was some, some coming back from the injury, um, the, the, uh, that ended his sophomore season, but I thought he played at a sustained high level throughout the course of the year and, and proved his worth to this football team so much so that we're talking about him perhaps getting a, a contract that's going to pay him 
12, 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year uh, after this season. And so I think he's developed consistency with what he did last year. And um, we're looking for him to continue to sustain that high level of play. And so I think Matt Milano wound up being a pretty good answer in terms of him becoming an absolute cornerstone for the defense um, and uh, a player that's going to be paid handsomely here very soon. For comeback kid, my superlative choice was Taron Johnson, the cornerback. And um, thought he had a good rookie season, but obviously he battled injuries throughout the entire thing. And that's kind of been an issue for for Taron Johnson. He's just kind of always banged up, and, and that's a bit concerning, you know. Um, and it didn't necessarily completely go away last year, unfortunately. Uh, he, he played in uh, 12 games last year, started seven of them. Um, and I thought the defense was not as good when he was on the field. Um, actually, he gave up a higher completion percentage in 2019 than he did in 2018, um, double the yards per target, um, and uh, you know, actually missed 7% more tackles. So he didn't quite have the comeback season that I was hoping, um, and maybe he'll be kind of a candidate again this year to kind of break out and, and be that that player we saw as a rookie, but you know the injury concerns with Taron Johnson, uh, they continue to mount. But um, what's what's most notable here is that despite some ups and downs with his play, I think the Bills' defense is best when he's in the lineup at slot. And I thought we saw that in particular in the Houston game when he got injured in the playoffs, and the Bills were kind of scrapping it together with you know Dean Marlowe and Saran Neal and, and sprinkling in some Kevin Johnson. I thought the team missed Taron Johnson in the playoff game. My rising star choice uh, for 2019 was Tremaine Edmonds. And uh, I talked about how, you know, as a 20-year-old rookie in 2018, how, how his elite physical traits led to splash plays and how he led the team in tackles and uh, wound up having 12 pass breakups, two forced fumbles, two sacks, five tackles for loss, two interceptions, and seven quarterback hits. And then I thought we saw a better version of Tremaine last year. Obviously, he was a Pro Bowl alternate, wound up getting to the Pro Bowl. Uh, but you saw a more confident player. Uh, you saw a guy that played faster. You saw a guy that was markedly better in coverage. That's something that I think we have got to make sure what we are when we talk about the growth of Tremaine Edmonds, we note how much better he was in coverage. Um, in, in 2019 compared to 2018. Let me tell you about some of his growth last year. First of all, his missed tackle percentage in 2018 was 16.6. That reduced to 9.4% in 2019. Also, pass coverage, this is what I want to go back to. In 2018, he gave up a completion percentage of 78.5%. 2019, that went down to 65.4%. The quarterback rating against his coverage in 2018 as a rookie was 93.3. In 2019, that was... 76.3. Markedly better when it comes to coverage. Guys went after him in his rookie season. Was targeted 93 times. Only targeted 52 times last year. And we saw his his length and his ability to get into throwing windows uh, and disrupt passes really show up uh, in an even bigger way um, last year. And so I think from the growth that I just illustrated – to the Pro Bowl opportunity that he had. I think Tremaine Edmonds as a rising star choice in 2019 was very good. Uh, in my don't forget about don't forget about superlative, I put 
this defense. And and what I what I wrote about going into last season, I said despite numerous young players filling critical roles, Buffalo's defense finished number two in the NFL last season. And then I talked about some of the talent upgrades and the continuity and experience. Um, you know, notably the the Bills were able to add a guy like Kevin Johnson to the defense to have more depth um, at cornerback, and I thought I thought that was a good upgrade. Um, and, I, and then I talked about you know younger players like Trey White, like like Tremaine Edmonds uh, having another year in the system. That safety pairing of of Hyde and Poyer, and last year was all about you know how much can the can the offense improve, and it did. But I thought lost in the discussion was that the strength of the football team was that number two defense coming back and reason to believe that it would continue to be a high level unit. And you know, at the end of the day, I think you can point to that defense and give it a lot of credit when it comes to the Bills logging 10 wins for the first time since 1999. In the needs to rebound section, I said the offensive line. You know, the, the offensive line was horrific in 2018, Josh Allen's rookie year. And Brandon Bean went out and he he brought in a ton of guys. Mitch Morse made him the highest paid center in NFL history. Spencer Long, Ty Insecki, John Feliciano, Quentin Spain drafted Cody Ford. And that offensive line was significantly better last year. And I think it did rebound uh, in Bobby Johnson's first year as the full-time offensive line coach. And so um, I think that did happen, and and that was very critical to the offense being better, to Josh Allen taking a step, and again, for the Bills logging that 10-win season. This is one that I'm pretty proud of. My dark horse MVP pick was wide receiver John Brown. Um, you know, I think we were all pretty excited about getting John Brown into the mix, but there were some question marks on whether or not he can be a true number one wide receiver and, you know, logging a thousand yards, finishing in the top 10 and receiving yards in the AFC, uh, having some big time clutch receptions that led to wins. Uh, I think we can, I think we can say very certainly that John Brown absolutely was a dark horse MVP and he meant a lot to that football team last year. And so, uh, I, I was very proud of that selection. And then this last one is is one of the main reasons I wanted to bring this up because I think the more we can be reminded of this types of this type of information, the more we can appreciate Josh Allen and where he is. And so my under the radar superlative was year one to year two difference for Josh Allen. And I want to read to you what I wrote here because I think this is really important again for that perspective as we think about Josh Allen and we evaluate his growth and we forecast him forward. So so listen to this. I think this is important. This is what I wrote. I said, welcome to the NFL, Josh Allen. We understand that you're a raw prospect from Wyoming that struggled against Power 5 competition during your college career. So there's some things we should warn you about for your rookie season. Your top three wide receivers are Jeremy Curley, Kelvin Benjamin, and Andre, Andre Holmes, who will all be released by week 13. You are in a three-way competition for the starting quarterback job with Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron, but will primarily take third-team reps until you replace Peterman in Week 1 as the starter. Your quarterback coach, David Coley, has never been an NFL quarterback coach and hasn't specifically coached the position since his days at UTEP in 1990. Oh, and your offensive line is losing Cordy Glenn, Eric Wood and Richie Incognito from the previous year in the front office is replacing them with the perpetually struggling Russell Bodine and a fifth-round pick in Wyatt Teller. Good luck. I think we have got to remember those things. 
So that was a challenging rookie year for Josh. For all, all the normal reasons, it's challenging for rookie quarterbacks, but those dynamics are notable. And we saw the way Brandon Bean completely changed the offense from the offensive line, Deion Dawkins being the only returning starter, an entirely new tight end room, an entirely new running back situation, adding Cole Beasley and John Brown to the wide receiver room, getting a new wide receivers coach in Chad Hall, a new offensive line coach in Bobby Johnson, a new quarterbacks coach in Ken Dorsey. I mean, notable changes. And that was all important and necessary and part of why Josh Allen was a much better quarterback in year two than year one. Well, now he gets all of that coming back for year three with Stephon Diggs and with what I believe is an upgraded running back situation with the addition of Zach Moss, which we will talk about here in just a moment. So before we talk about the 2020 version of these answers, I wanted to look back at 2019 because I think there was some good takeaways there uh, that help us gain some perspective on uh, what happened last year and then also give you some uh, some reason to care when it comes to my answers for those exact same questions this year. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. It is now time for me to release my answers to the 2020 version of those exact same superlatives. My pick for breakout guy. I could have picked three here. I really could have. I thought about Dawson Knox because I think he's going to have a good year. I thought about Devin Singletary. But I'm going to talk about Devin Singletary a little bit later, so I saved him from a different spot. My breakout guy is Cody Ford. I did an entire podcast in May about Cody Ford, and I gave a myriad of reasons as to why I think he's going to break out. Obviously, the simple perspective of year one to year two. But thinking more and going more specific in the context of Cody Ford and getting drafted out of the Big 12 as a guy that didn't have a whole lot of starting experience in, in a stylistic and technique offense that didn't really replicate the things that he was going to be asked to do in Buffalo. He's switching between guard and tackle uh, throughout the the rookie camp and OTAs and training camp and preseason. And then, um, you know, I, I felt like there were some other contributing factors in terms of uh, maybe his weight can come down and maybe there's some technical type stuff. It's just not, it's stuff that's physical. That, that is not the concern. And, and I just have a belief that Cody Ford is going to be able to put it all together this year. And so, you know, I, I went for probably, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes specifically on Cody Ford. So I don't, I don't want to redo that same podcast, but 
I have a lot of reason to believe that Cody Ford's going to break out and be just fine at right tackle this year, and, and, and so much so that I'm actually predicting it. My comeback kid, and if you saw me right now, you would see me doing air quotes. My comeback kid is Jerry Hughes, the Bills' defensive end. Um, I The air quotes because he's going to be 32 here in, in, in a couple of weeks. But Jerry Hughes is, is coming off his least productive season as a member of the Buffalo Bills. And 23 tackles, uh, four and a half sacks, only nine quarterback hits. He, he was down last year. Now, he finished the season amazingly well in, in his playoff performance where he mopped the floor with Laramie Tunsil, the highest paid offensive tackle in the NFL, beat him for three and a half sacks. How many false starts did Laramie Tunsil have in that game? I mean, Jerry Hughes ran circles around that guy. He played good, but we we have learned a lot about Jerry Hughes since the season has ended, and the, and the guy was battling several injuries. I think he had a, a groin and a wrist that required surgery very shortly after the season ended, and, and we didn't even know about that throughout the course of the year. And so, you know, I, I think it's not only that Jerry Hughes is going to be healthy going into this year, but it's also the depth component. You know, Jerry Hughes is is a good football player, and he's played a lot of football for the Bills. I mean, uh, since coming over, you know, he's been 64 to 93% of the snaps, really, for the team since he became a full-time starter in 2014. And he's played 16 games every single year of his career. I think he broke down a little bit last year. I think he's going to be healthy this year. But he's also in a situation where I think the Bills have more depth than they've ever had at edge since Jerry Hughes has been a member of the Buffalo Bills. Mario Addison is here. Trent Murphy is here. A.J. Epinesa is here. Daryl Johnson is here. Quinton Jefferson can play a little bit of defensive end as well. And I think you're going to see a fresher. You might not see the volume of snaps played from Jerry Hughes, but you'll see a fresher player and, and, and a guy that will be able to pin his ears back a little bit more and, and, and be, you know, ha- have those legs under him and, and really be able to uncoil and fire off the ball and, and really be used, you know, I would say on a, on a full-time basis, but also, you know, more strategically, you know, and I think the Bills defensive line across the board is going to be a more rested, fresher unit that's going to come at you for four quarters all game long and uh, and challenge you with depth that has never existed under Sean McDermott. And, and I think a healthy Jerry Hughes in a, a role that allows him to be um, not necessarily a high-volume snap guy to the extent that he has been, but a little bit more selective so that you get the best of what's left in the tank for Jerry Hughes. And I, and I like that Mario Addison's here, and I think that's going to make Jerry Hughes a better football player. For rising star for 2020, I am going Ed Oliver. Absolutely Ed Oliver. I think I think Ed Oliver is going to be a superstar. Um, and I think that's going to start this year. You know, I, I go back to the player that he was at Houston and what he was asked to do at Houston. The guy played nose tackle at Houston in an even front. That's a big difference from, from that to being a three technique in a four-three defense in the NFL. It's a different position. The way that he's going to beat blocks in the NFL, very different than in the AAC when he's going up against East Carolina and Memphis and and Cincinnati, these other, you know, talent lacking schools. 
Ed Oliver came on last year. You saw that. You saw him exchange power with guys like Marshall Yanda. You saw him handle that stout Dallas Cowboys interior offensive line. Ed Oliver is a top 10 pick for a reason, and I think everybody's getting that. Everybody was – not everybody. It's not fair. There's a lot of people that were down on him early on, and I think it was a, I think it was a short-sighted criticism that, that didn't take into consideration the context of Ed Oliver, what he was asked to do, what he's been doing his whole career previously, and what it takes to perform at a high level. I think he's going to be a different player in year two. I think you're going to see that second half of the season Ed Oliver show up very consistently this season. On my don't forget about superlative, I'm going with Heath Farwell, the Bills special teams coordinator. We talk about continuity for this football team, right? Offense, defense, coaches, everything's basically coming back with some upgrades. Well, Heath Farwell's not talked about enough. He was a first time or a first, yeah, first time ever in the NFL as a full-time, you know, the lead special teams coach. And I think it's going to be a much different scenario for him this year. He is going to be more familiar with the roster and the players at his disposal to use on teams. Those players are going to be more familiar with his techniques and his scheme. And uh, I think he's going to be better for that and the team will be better for that. And so, you know, it, it's, I think it's a little bit lost in the continuity discussion is, is him coming back in that role. And, um, I think, I think that will be a, a little thing that, um, is going to matter for a football team that we have high expectations for. I think we can't discredit Heath Farwell in year two as a full-time lead special teams coordinator needs to rebound. I put Josh Norman. I mean, I don't, I just look, I, Josh Norman has, has been a poor player for the last few years in the NFL. You know, not necessarily a guy that had ever had top tier athletic traits, a very poor athlete, you know, even when he entered the league and he's a guy that is now well into his career, 30, two years old. He's going to be 33 in December and he got torched for Washington over the last few years. I mean, it's just not debatable. He couldn't run with guys. He was asked to play a lot of man coverage, which is not obviously his strength, but he really, really struggled last year. He gave up a passer rating against his coverage of 129 year before that 109.3. He's given up 15 touchdown receptions over the last two seasons combined. A completion percentage over 66% to him the last two seasons. 9.7 yards per target. He gave up 14 yards per catch last year. I mean, I mean, he, he struggled. Now, look, this is a prideful player that's had good years, that is back into a system that made him successful in the past. Does he have enough athleticism for this to work in Buffalo. He's the guy, in my mind, that needs to rebound this year. Can he do it? I have my doubts. But he's had success with McDermott. The personnel around him in Buffalo is far superior to what he's had in Washington. 
And you you can I think you have reasons to be optimistic here. I just look what type of athleticism is left in the tank for Josh Norman at 32, 33 years old? That's the biggest question that I have. Dark horse MVP. I'm going with an upgraded backfield, offensive backfield, running back situation. Devin Singletary is going to be a better football player this year. You know, he's learned learning the game, learning the system last year, learning his blockers last year, getting the timing down. That's going to be better this year. He's going to know. He's already made the jump from Florida Atlantic to the NFL. Now he's the guy, right? He's he's the lead back for the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be a better player in year two. I think Zach Moss is going to enter the league as a better player than Frank Gore was last year. No no disrespect to Frank Gore. I have a lot of respect for him as a football player. The guy wore down last year. And the Bills need a fresh downhill back. I thought that showed up especially later in the year. And I think that combination, Devin Singletary in year two plus Zach Moss is better than Devin Singletary in year one with Frank Gore. I think it's better. I think Brian Dable will know more how to use Devin Singletary. He'll be featured more consistently, right? Remember all those games last year where Devin Singletary was playing a fair amount of snaps but not necessarily getting the ball. It's going to be different this year. He's the guy. I don't think we can discredit how much better that backfield can be this year. It's a dark horse MVP of the, of the team in my mind. We know the defense is good. I've talked a ton about the depth of the defensive line. The offensive line's back. Stefan Diggs is going to be a good player. What we're not talking about is that upgraded backfield. I think it's going to lead to a consistent and better offense. Last one I have is under the radar. And I think we we talked about this at times this offseason. It's time to bring it up again. Under the radar is improved tackling on defense. It has got to get better. The Bills were a Bad tackling football team last year. They missed 132 tackles. That was third most in the NFL. Cleveland Browns, 140. Bad football team. The Arizona Cardinals, 135 missed tackles. Bad football team. Buffalo Bills, 132 tackles. What What are they doing up there? There is a, a correlation between points per drive allowed and tackling. But the Bills are are a total outlier in this conversation. I, I went down the list here of the top 10 defenses in 2019 across the NFL when it comes to points allowed per drive, the fewest points allowed per drive. At number one, New England Patriots. They were they gave up the they had the fewest missed tackles on their defense last year. 32nd in the NFL. They only missed 66 tackles. The Bills doubled that. 132 missed tackles compared to 66. Number two, the Bills. The Bills were number two in points per drive, but third most missed tackles in the NFL. That's that's the exception. Pittsburgh Steelers, third fewest points per drive, 19th when it comes to missed tackles. The 49ers, fourth fewest points per drive, 17th when it comes to missed tackles. The Baltimore Ravens, fifth 
fewest points per drive, 28th in missed tackles. The Chicago Bears, sixth fewest points per drive, 22nd in missed tackles. Seventh, the Minnesota Vikings, fewest points per drive, 31st when it comes to missed tackles. The Denver Broncos, eighth and fewest points per drive, 25th in missed tackles. The Green Bay Packers, ninth and fewest points per drive, 20th. In missed tackles. And then the Tennessee Titans, a little bit of an exception here. Uh, they were 10th in points per drive, and they were 13th when it comes to missed tackles. So of the top 10 teams in the NFL last year in terms of points per drive allowed, the fewest points per drive, every single one of them were in the bottom half of the NFL when it comes to missed tackles, except for the Bills at 2, second fewest points per drive, and the Titans at 10. Gave up 13, 13th of most missed tackles. I mean, it's just remarkable to see the variance here. I mean, most of the average, the average teams last year gave up 107 to 115 missed tackles. And you had the Bills at 132. It's just. It's a it's a fundamentals thing, and uh, it's that's got to get cleaned up. That's got to get cleaned up because the, I, I don't I don't I mean, if you want to think the Bills are going to be a better defense this year than it was last year, hope for it to to tackle better. Because I think that's the the most explainable way. The Bills were a bad tackling defense in in 2018 as well. They had missed 137 tackles, second worst in the NFL. The Bills have a tackling problem under Sean McDermott. We've we've got to talk about it. We've we've got to make sure that it's something that improves. And so I labeled it as an under the radar item for this year, but it should be a significant point of emphasis for Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott and his defensive personnel because man, I mean, tackle better your defense is going to be better, but the Bills aren't just a bad tackling Defense, they're one of the worst in the in the NFL over the last two seasons. So I think it's the most easy way for this defense to get better, tackle better. It's got to happen. Don't mean to end on such a low note, but it's something we got to talk about. We have to be mindful of this issue, and we got to hope that it gets better because it's such a low-hanging fruit item when it comes to how to be a better football team. At the end of the day, this foot the football, it's still it's still about blocking and tackling. You do those two things well, you got a chance. Well, the Bills don't tackle well. So all right, that's gonna do it for us today here on this podcast. Tomorrow we get back to Twitter Tuesday. Probably gonna do two days of it this week because there's a lot waiting, a lot of outstanding stuff that I gotta get to. So I'll get organized tomorrow. And I'll record the podcast, and you have that to look forward to over the next couple of days here uh, as I get back to everyone and, and really dig into what is always outstanding ideas and talking points and questions. So uh, don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.